something that I insist upon a lot when I talk with girls, for instance, explaining that science gives you superpowers. Mm. And this is uh, exactly what happens, uh, the, the sense of empowerment for me studying physics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to IWF Game Changers, a monthly conversation with some of the trailblazing members of the International Women's Forum. I'm Ann Doyle, president of IWF Michigan and your host. The IWF is a global network of more than 7,000 highly accomplished, influential women from 33 nations, thought leaders, problem solvers, and catalysts for human progress who share a commitment to advancing women's leadership. Each month, we talk with one of these trailblazing leaders as they share stories of lessons learned and insights gained from their journeys. So let's talk about life in leadership. Our featured IWF member today is Ercilia Vaudos Garpeta, a scientist and astrophysicist and currently the Chief Diversity Officer for ESA, the European Space Agency headquartered in Paris. Welcome, Ercilia. Hi, I'm so happy to, to be here with you today. Is, uh, I'm talking from Paris, from a still in a summer mood, and I'm <laughs> really happy to join you today. Wonderful. Well, our members are all over the world, and um, we have so much to talk about. You have a fascinating job. So ISA yeah. is described as Europe's gateway to space, and I know you have held multiple positions there since uh, 1991. How would you describe ISA's mission, and what's so fascinating about it that keeps you excited about your work? ESA, so the European Space Agency, is indeed the Europe's gateway to space. Uh, essentially, the mission, we, we, all we do is for peaceful purposes, and our mission is to share the development of Europe's space capability and ensure that investment in space from our member states continues to deliver benefits to the European citizens and to the world. What is really amazing is the fact that we have today 22 member states, uh, we also have uh, uh, Canada, which are not all uh, um, overlapping with the European Union member states. So we also have, for instance, Switzerland and Norway. And uh, we also have Canada, which is one of our cooperation states. And what is amazing and still is amazing today is that um, you, you see that by coordinating intellectual resources, we can undertake programs and activities that are far beyond what we could do, be doing alone. We have actually, if you think about it, we have 22 member states, and we talk more than 14 different languages. Wow. And cooperating, solving <laughs> problems every day by combining this cultural background is really our richness. And to bring this, uh, means that you can really aim at impossible things. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, uh, I don't know, we have been landing uh, a robot on a spinning comet at 500 million kilometers from Earth. And this is possible because we know how to work together and we, we really know how to get this, unleash the richness of this uh, cooperation of different talents. And this, for me, is always very amazing. I 
I become uh, larger and larger by this uh, interaction with my mind. My mind is gets to be opened by exchanging with with colleagues coming from uh, from so many different countries. So this is still a, a big a big motivation for me. You know, that's fascinating that you talk about personally what it's doing to your own mind, because I read a fascinating interview with you on the ESA website in which you said that uh, studying physics, particularly quantum mechanics and general relativity, stretched your mind and triggered a personal transformation. What did you mean by that? Yeah. Yes, I, this is very, very important to me uh, to to pass this message because it's something that I insist upon a lot when I talk with girls, for instance, explaining that science gives you superpowers. Mm. And this is uh, exactly what happens, uh, the, the sense of empowerment for me studying physics. i give you an example. Um, an example of how do you feel when you get out of your comfort zone. We live in a comfort zone, which is our Newtonian world. We know by experience that certain things happen if you do other things. But when you get in the world of quantum mechanics, for instance, in the world of quantum mechanics, there is uh, an element that is called helium superfluid, and when you go below a certain temperature, you lose the third dimension. You can show this to kids. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's a magical effect. You could not believe this, and it happens in front of your eyes, losing the third dimension, which is something out of our experience. And even more when you're going to general relativity. Uh, but can I back up for one second? What is the yes. third dimension? I'm not sure. Third dimension is we, we have uh, uh, the height, we have the length, and we have the weight of an object. Okay. And meaning that it becomes, it loses the third dimension, becomes bidimensional. It means that if, if you put it in a glass uh, and you load the temperature, it will start climbing on the wall of the glass and will flatten out like, like a tiny film on the surface of the table. So you don't have the height any, anymore. Ah. Only flat things, like a piece of paper Wow! on your table. And this is amazing. It's very difficult to understand, but when you do, you really feel empowered. And uh, because these things are part of your life, but not of your experience. Right. Which, which is a tiny line. And, it, and the same for, for general relativity. General relativity is amazing. It tells us, for instance, that uh, time can fly differently. Uh, just to give an example, uh, actually, time feels gravity exactly like an apple feels gravity. Time feels gravity. So, if you are very close to Earth on the seaside, the time will go slower than if you are on a plane. Really? Or if you are on the space station, yes. And the same things happen with speed. If you, uh, this is more difficult to see from us, but uh, uh, Einstein used this uh, very nice uh, paradox. If you have two twins, they are 10 years old, and one is going to travel for one year at the speed of the light. Mm-hmm. When he comes back, he will be 11, and his brother will be 70. And these things are measured. It's not fantasy. It's not fiction. These are actual elements of our own world or our own universe. 
And when I talk with kids, I always tell them that they have superpower every day. When you look at the sky mm-hmm. and you see the stars, because light takes time to travel to your eyes, you are looking in the past. More you look further in distance, more are you looking back in the past. Every star is a moment of a far away past. It's not if you are with your girlfriend and and looking at the sky, your girlfriend is there with you, but that star belongs to 400 years ago, thousands of years ago, the point that you're seeing there. Oh the my same gosh. with the sunset. You wow. take your mojito, the sunset has <laughs> uh, yeah. gone since eight minutes, because this is the time that light goes from the sun to us. So I just say these things to show the that when you go through... Um, by studying cosmology, quantum mechanics, you gain this sense of of the impossible that can become real. And at the same time, you have this feeling of being nothing more than a little spark mm. in a silent universe. And at the same time, we are here, you enjoy the great emotional consciousness, and in particular, this ability of asking questions and striving for answers, which is our unique feature as human beings. Wow. So it's, it's, wow. It's it's very uh it's a great experience and you're not the same after. Uh, mm-hmm. you 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 keep a mind open. You never say this is impossible. You could ask yourself would I believed in that was the earth running around the sun? I'm ready to believe to new things. I I my mind is open enough. And and this is this is something that you check with yourself all the time. I never say, "Ah, oh, this is not possible. Mm-hmm. This is crazy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I discovered your TEDx talk uh, on the universe, uh, and I believe it was entitled "Do We Dare Disturb the Universe?" And uh, yeah. f- for your IWF sisters and listeners and me who don't speak Italian. Uh, what was your key message uh, that you want people to understand about space exploration? Yeah. Okay. The, the sentence, do I dare to disturb the universe, comes from uh, from beautiful love letters uh, of uh, Tom Pufrock, that is a, that's a character from Elliot, from Thomas Stern Elliot. Mm. And this man always doesn't, doesn't act, doesn't speak out his love, he always dare to disturb the universe. And the idea for me to use this kind of uh, metaphor is that you, there is no, uh, it's clear that this silence, uh, this uh, distance, this black sky can be frightening. But disturb the universe, go into it, try to understand this is what we are. We are, we are this mind in this silence. And you get such an inspiration, you get such an emotion uh, that is uh, is something. Ask yourself questions about this silence around. There are so many beautiful things to discover, and all these things relate to yourself. It's not something far away. So this is this was my sense. Do you believe there are other intelligent life forms out there? Uh, this is uh, this is a peculiar question because, uh, uh, in a way, you you can say all this only for us is such a waste. Yeah. 
at the same time, uh, the distances. And so uh, we have millions of solar systems. We are discovering exoplanets, so planets like Earth, uh, at light years from us. So could be possible. Which kind of life? This, this I don't know. And it, it's really a question that is a little bit beyond science itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but myself, if I believe or not that there are, uh, that could be forms of life, I would say that statistically, yes, that we could be in contact. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to the beginning of your leadership journey and uh, tell us about where and how you grew up and uh, how it shaped your curiosity and love of space. Uh, yes, I'm, I, I'm from south of Italy, from a little uh, beautiful town on the, on the sea. It's called Gaeta. And there I had really the privilege to grow up uh, with a very uh, free childhood. We of playing on the beach and uh, uh, going around with a bicycle. And so uh, really I grew up with this sense of nature, of the sea in particular. The sea was really my first passion. I wanted to be an oceanographer. Mm. Um, but uh, my father was, uh, was a captain and my mother was very much into mathematics. And I've always been encouraged to pursue curiosity and this, uh, uh, how can I say, un- unconstrainable uh, push to ask yourself questions, mm-hmm. to not bother to go for answer, and uh, and in particular, I have to say, to be confronted with the horizon every day, going up from my house and see the horizon and the sea, really push you uh, to get you addicted to a feeling of freedom and at the same time of, oh, to be, uh, to be, oh, everything is awesome. How can I say everything mm-hmm. is uh, is amazing? And so, growing up there and in, in alternate place that is uh, is uh, at the cross of a different culture, uh, as 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 define my ability to welcome new things and mm-hmm. to be attracted by things that I don't know. Well, there's a wonderful story that I read about uh, how your mother used little things around the house to encourage you, I think, and your brother to learn about science. Would you share that? Yeah. Yeah. My mother, uh, she had a degree in chemistry and biology, which was was a quite rare feature for an Italian woman at that time. Mm -hmm. And she was really passionate by science. So, uh, and she wanted to pass this passion to us. So as an example of her drive, we had in our kitchen different jars containing sugar or salt or other cooking stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the spirit of encouraging me and my brothers uh, to, to be exposed to science, she used to indicate only the chemical formula on the jars labels. <laughs> so <laughs> one day, yes, I remember I was in... Uh, in uh, I don't know fourth grade, I had to. There was a sale, a bakery sale at school, and instead of uh, uh, sugar, I put salt, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then they they all stayed there. Uh, they were the only one that no one wanted, but it was a good good lesson to me. <laughs> so now I know by heart all these formulas. The scientific formulas for those. Yeah. 
Oh, boy. Well, obviously, you had uh, very um, unusual parents and an unusual mother um, at the time, uh, but also you really... um, there uh, are very, very not enough women in um, your field, for sure. Would you share with us um, what gender resistance, maybe, and barriers uh, did you need to overcome along the way to achieve the uh, leadership role you have today in a still pretty male-dominated field? Yes, I, uh, I want to say that in a way, I mean, after uh, looking back on my career, the main obstacles come from yourself, come from uh, not feeling sometimes um, good enough to dare uh, to apply to a position, for instance, or this, this kind of, be, we, we want to be perfect. As, as a woman, uh, we, we know, for instance, that uh, women tend to apply to positions uh, up in career in particular only if they feel they have 100% of the competence required while men, they are happy with 60% and they go. <laughs> it's so true we, everywhere, all around the world, all everywhere. different cultures, exactly. right? Exactly. So we tend to be so such a perfectionist. We, we tend to be so wise. If someone say, ah, oh, no, this is not for you, then we believe it. Mm-hmm. So uh, the main obstacle for me comes from your ability to believe in yourself and to say, I'm good at this. I'm sure I can do this well. Let's go. Uh, and this is the same in the in the relations with men. It's very easy sometimes to get discouraged, to get, in, mm, I mean, to get timid, uh, yes, discouraged by attitudes and not being able to talk and some and then you have an idea and the man says that it's his idea but all these things uh, make you stronger on one side and on the other side you now there is such an awareness that was not maybe there when I arrived but they always had men believing in me and this helped a lot mm-hmm. you have to work hard uh, as the others, uh, we feel that you have to work twice more, but you you have to state your point. You have to uh, not not feel uh, embarrassed by saying what you want, saying what you think. Uh, and of course, there are obstacles, but because there is no critical mass yet, so mm-hmm. you are still a bit isolated. But I I believe that in particular in the field of science. Um, there is this sense of uh, uh, valuing what everyone can bring. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm fascinated about, I mean, you have really broad experience working across many different cultures. I mean, you grew up in uh, southern Italy, you've worked in Rome, mm-hmm. um, now you're in Paris, uh, and you mentioned all the different cultures you're working with through ISA, plus you mm-hmm. also have lived in the United States, and um uh, working um, with with NASA, and, um, yeah. and and also I think serving as a member of the board of directors of Women in Aerospace in the U.S. Yeah. So, um, what can you share with us about the cultural differences you've witnessed about the challenges of increasing the number of women in STEM and scientific uh, fields? Yeah. 
for sure, let me see an anecdote because I remember about this when we were in the U.S. My my daughter, she, I mean, I had my two kids in Paris that we moved. They were very young in the U.S. And I remember my daughter asking me, "So, mommy, tell me again. I was born in Paris, and we are now in the U.S. Why am I Italian?" <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> There you uh, go. So funny, yes. <laughs> she Why is a citizen of the world. You like ice cream, olive oil, lasagna. But it was, <laughs> it was interesting, yes, uh, that she was already asking, what are the features? W- w- what does it mean? And uh, um, what is uh, what is, was extremely interesting for me uh, from the experience in the U.S. is that, first of all, in space, so uh, this was my environment, you have many more role models than you have in Europe. Hmm. Uh, if you think as the e- European Space Agency, we have uh, only two uh, women astronauts. Hmm. We had only two. Hmm. And uh, uh, many more in the U.S. And this is not just these things, but it's also the fact that, and, and, and we come back to the do it there to do something, that we had our astronauts in the 90s and uh, out of the applications, there were, I mean, thousands of applications, 10% came from uh, women, from girls. Mm. We had another selection in 2008 and again, only 10% of applications were from girls. Mm -hmm. So it looks like you you don't go for that. There are not so many role models while in the U.S. you have many uh, women astronauts. You know, uh, including including one of our own IWF members. I don't know if you know Katie Coleman, um, astronaut. Yes, yes. Do you know Katie? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, we were, I was in a, in a panel with her. On, uh, actually, we had two astronauts in uh, Houston. Ah, we yes. About, yes, we have uh, several. Right. Yeah, yeah, who are yeah, IWF yeah. members. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no, this is this is uh, uh, it works very well to have uh, uh, women that succeed in these things, women that uh, show that are normal, that have kids, and then mm-hmm. still succeed in doing uh, amazing things. In Europe, there are a bit less, but uh, it's also the way you approach these things at school that plays an important role and. Uh, in terms of culture itself, I think we are we are we are open to these things. I don't think there is an element that really creates a difference. Uh, that is more about an environment and having role models where there is a difference. Well, let you me know, let uh, me get yeah. into your. Um, I mean, that's your your role today with ESA. Is you are the chief diversity officer there. So, yeah. um, what what are you? Um, what are you seeing as the progress? What are you doing to address the gender imbalance uh, at ESA and in STEM fields? What we, we do, I have to say that one of the most important things uh, and concern is the fact that we don't have many girls interested in space. Although, uh, and this is quite amazing because we have... Uh, uh, although space is recognized to be as one of the most uh, science technology inspirational sectors uh, and participation in STEM fields in Europe is, I mean, not, not increasing, but I mean, not so bad. Still, there are very few women that apply to uh, ESA positions. During the education uh, path, girls develop kind of uh, anxiety towards mathematics, anxiety to mm. not ask the right questions, while 
when I mean all kids are explorers. All kids, when they are young, five, six, they don't they they don't care about being stupid or not. They just care to know and to ask. And there is a nice story from uh, uh, Brian Green that says that once uh, he went uh, into the uh, a kindergarten, I think, and he asked everyone to draw uh, something. And he saw a little girl very focused in drawing, enjoying. And then he approached her and asked her, what are you drawing? Mm-hmm. I'm drawing the face of God. <gasps> but no one knows the face of God. Oh, in a minute they will. So <laughs> is this is this sense of not Ooh, being afraid, right? Yeah, and 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 not always looking for for being, uh, you know, in the mainstream or for being the good girl. You just have to dream high. Yes, and and, and this is also important. So we are investing a lot in. Uh, in getting these messages and in uh, making sure the space is, uh, uh, becomes uh, a career uh, or the girls start to dream about space as a real career. There are so many jobs in, uh, in space. It's not just the astronaut. There are many, many jobs. So let's uh, finish up really uh, with this fascinating conversation uh, about your connection and your membership in the International Women's Forum. Um, I know you are a member in uh, the French uh, chapter. Um, what what is it about the IWF that is valuable to you? What what has been amazing now I've been few years that I am with the IWF and I've also been exposed to uh, not just to the France group. I, I was in Houston meeting also other chapters. Uh, in this sense, that as I said, joining forces uh, uh, brings you higher. Is this sense of having incredible talents, incredible um, commitments uh, uh, from these exceptional women, but at the same time, all this is in a, it's blended uh, with uh, a good faith approach, meaning beyond what could be me, you, uh, competition, uh, you are are CEO of something uh, and the other is not on your level, maybe is a different. This doesn't matter. What matters is this uh, genuine pleasure in exchanging views, in learning from each other, Mm -hmm. in sharing uh, and and getting support by by the others. On a path where there are bumps, where you need sometimes to ask, how did you manage the situation, mm-hmm. or to get the support of people that are happy because something is happening. Uh, uh, so th- this has been uh, really uh, amazing, and uh, is a community network for network. I, I, I don't get such a pleasure in in just going and cocktails and uh, chatting. It's more than this. I mean, I I see that there are many ties that are getting there, and I feel stronger because I know I can count on this. Uh, I feel uh, uh, much more open-minded because I can count on the opinion of of these uh, amazing uh, um, people around me. So, yeah. Yes, I mean, and and um, that sums up sisterhood really the power of this global sisterhood yeah well thank you so much uh iwf member ercilia valdo scarpetta 
uh, for being with us. You're a scientist, a trailblazer, and chief diversity officer for the European Space Agency, uh, talking to us from Paris, France. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's been a thrill for me uh, to talk to you, and, and, you know, that's one of the benefits of being part of this uh, IWF Global Network, the Sisterhood, because it creates these um, unique opportunities to meet fantastic women leaders from all over the world uh, whom we never would have had a chance to cross path with, uh, paths with otherwise. And I just want to mention as we close that just a few days before recording this episode, IWF CEO Stephanie O'Keefe and several of her um, top staff spent several days with us uh, here in Detroit working with the Michigan chapter on plans for the IWF World Leadership Conference that will be held in Detroit in October of 2020. And she announced the theme, which will be The City Ahead. And Detroit's iconic story will provide really local context through a female lens of the challenges and opportunities that great cities all over the world are facing. So if you've never been to Detroit, or if you haven't been in years, 2020 in Motown will be a conference not to miss. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IWF Game Changers, a conversation with some of the trailblazing members of the International Women's Forum. I'm Ann Doyle, president of IWF Michigan and your host, and we hope you'll join us again as we talk about life in leadership.